Welcome to the Life of Christ series 5, term 1. This is lesson 6. We're going to continue on page 14. And uh, this is subtitled, Jesus' Power to Heal. Now, while Mark's account concludes with Jesus' choosing of, Jesus choosing of the twelve after going up to the mountain and praying all night, Luke's account continues on to say in Luke 6 and verse 17, And he came down uh, with them and stood on a level place. Note that this is not a plain, but a level place. This is really key because we're about to get into the Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of people say, well, there's the Sermon on the Plain, and then the Sermon on the Mount. And so they call it two different things. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And they take it because of this one little thing. Because it was on a level place. So it's important that you see this again. And I've said here again, note that this is not a plain, but a level place on the side of the mountain. And why Leon Morris in his commentary points out that it is in fact not the usual word for a plain. Accordingly, William Hendrickson says that this may well have been a large level tract that coincides with the far larger gentle grassy slope west of the Tabga, not far from Capernaum. The reason for pointing all this out is so we understand that firstly the Sermon on the Plain doesn't exist. There's only the Sermon on the Mount. And secondly, Jesus was in the vicinity of a mountain. And so when the parallel account in Matthew says, and seeing the multitudes here went up on a mountain, that's in Matthew 5.1, we know what mountain he's talking about. Okay? Right, let's get back to this. Returning to Luke chapter 6, it says there again, in verses 17 and continuing on to verse 18 now, it says, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd, uh, with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. I love that. There's never a question of Jesus turned anyone away from being healed. You'll never see that. Mm, anyway, so let's, let's slowly go through this. Notice, first of all, that there's a large crowd of his disciples, which uh, added to the twelve included at least 70 others, according to Luke 10.1, and a great multitude of people from the south, that is Judea and Jerusalem, and also the northwest, that is the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. They had all come to Jesus for two main reasons. To hear Him and to be healed of both their diseases and unclean spirits. In other words, firstly, they were interested in what He had to say. Now, that's really interesting. You know, it's, it shows us something that we remember again, we're at the beginning of Jesus' ministry here. We're not, okay, things are going to change. But at this point in time, they're very interested in what he has to say. And um, because he's, he's going to be preaching sermons, you know, on birds and, and grass and, you know, just saying, look up, look down, you know, and he's going to talk to them about things. Um, but as time goes on, uh, and because of his ability to heal, because he's doing these incredible things, you know, I think people start to start to think, then their minds start to race off and thinking, hang on a second, if he can heal us, and you know, if, if he's preaching all this stuff, he's obviously a very wise person who has a great deal of power. This is the sort of person we want ruling us. 
we don't want Rome doing this, its thing. And in fact, this would be the sort of person that could liberate us. Yeah. Is where their mind is going to go ultimately and cause all sorts of problems. See, we, we have to be really careful that we don't race ahead and start seeing, oh God, now you're doing this, so maybe we can, I can do this and this and this, stop that, don't do that. Amen? One of th- that was one of the biggest mistakes I made at the beginning of ministry, is I would race ahead of God. God would start doing something, and I would try to extrapolate. Do you all know the word extrapolate? Okay. I would try to see where it was going and get there first. Except it took a left turn somewhere, and I was somewhere else now. You know, and, and that just doesn't work. I've learned, you know, sometimes you need to take a step back and wait on God. And uh, sometimes doing something straight away isn't the best thing. It's the worst thing. Because you haven't had time to pray about it. You haven't had time to think about it. You haven't had time to, you know, sort of ask God, is this the right thing? Amen? And uh, just a, a tiny little testimony. I was, uh, you know, we got this piece of equipment that we needed for the ministry and waiting on. And uh, it got to the stage where everything that happened, happened in a certain way that the place that I needed to get the next bit of equipment that went with it, I couldn't get to yesterday because I just ran out of time. And I wasn't, I could have rushed, and I just thought, no, that's not God's way. You know, and I thought, that's me rushing, that's not God. You know, and I thought, no, just hang back and we'll just do it today. You know, like, and so, you know, I was going and I was, I, I prayed, because we had the experience and we always remember, pray. And so <laughs> I had enough time to pray, because it was a bit of a distance. And so, prayed and I said, God, let, you know, let be the right person that serves me and the right person to give us what we need because we're doing this for ministry. We're, this is our first step to evangelism on the way full life wants to evangelize. Okay. All right. So that's what all this is about. And so I prayed over that. And long story short, I ended up getting a person that was incredibly helpful. There was other people there that they were just, they weren't that person. Can I say that? And he was so nice and so sweet. And he was talking to me. And the Lord said, ask him this question. So I, I didn't evangelize or anything, okay? I just asked him a question. I said, uh, I, I said, what days of the week do you work? I was assuming Monday to Friday. Because, um, you know, it's a Friday. I've gone there and he's there. He says, I only work on Fridays and Sundays. What are the chances of me getting that person? Because Sunday, forget about that. Okay? <laughs> yeah, you know, and he's just like, wow. And yesterday had I rushed. It would not be that person. Isn't that interesting? You know, and that's, that's, that, I see that all the time, you know, and, I, and that's why I said we should be naturally walking a supernatural life. You know, it's just like that one in a million shot should be us, that it happens. And I thank God for it. I, all the glory to Him. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, thank you, Lord. So, again, it, it is something that I think sometimes people do that. They sort of tend to race ahead, get ahead of God and get in trouble. And that's what's going to happen. But right now, they're not in that place. Right now, they want to hear. Right now, they want to be healed. And I think that is tremendous. And it is something that if we could just keep that, we'll do well. Amen? Amen. All right. So, again, I said, firstly, they were very interested in what he had to say. And on this occasion, especially, they are not going to be disappointed, because coming up next is the sermon that Jesus is famous for, and that is the Sermon on the Mount. Now, unlike the series that we did before, that only considered Matthew's account, here, because of the nature of the study, the life of Christ, we will look at both Matthew's account and Luke's account, and study them both together. Okay? 
It's going to be very interesting. It's going to really... There are things that will relate more directly to you from Luke's account. Because the key thing between these accounts was Matthew wrote to a nation that was more spiritual and that understood the things of God, which was the Jewish nation, okay? Whereas Luke wrote more to the Gentiles, because he was a Gentile, and so he came on their level. So that's why a lot of stuff he writes, Jesus said stuff that could be taken on so many different levels. And so Matthew wrote it to the spiritual people on a spiritual level, but Luke wrote it to the Gentiles on a level that they could relate to and go, oh yeah, that happens, I know that. I get that, okay? So that's why I, I, I just felt like it was important that we did go through it, and, uh, we, we, and we need Matthew's account so that you can see both together. Hallelujah, okay. Right, so, returning to our text, notice that the multitude also came to be healed of their diseases, with verse 18 going on to say, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. William MacDonald writes, It should be borne in mind that to the tenderly loving heart of Jesus, people were not merely cases. <laughs> Each human being was the object of special treatment. That is, each person feeling like Jesus was ministering to them alone. Into each person's circumstances, the Savior wholly entered with his sympathetic heart. I had to stop there for a minute. This is really important. I, have, I wished uh, that they recorded more detail about what happened because um, it would help, I think, us, you know, as ministers in time to come. It would help us to understand what, where, sort of, where the boundaries are. Because you know? we don't want you know, too many women with issues of blood coming and telling us the whole story. <laughs> Can I just talk to you for a minute? Okay, while everybody else is waiting, and then so, you know, she's, it, and when you read that uh, account, it says, and she told him all that had happened. And it's just like, you know, you can see Jairus just climbing the walls back then. Now, you know, let's imagine there was more than Jairus there. Let's imagine there was a hundred people there. And there's this one lady taking all this time. It was an awesome story. Don't get me wrong. It was just, I mean, how many people has that helped? Hallelujah. You know. Uh, but, there, there are, you know, I, I think we really need a revelation from God about how to deal with those things. Because there is, a, there is a point in time where you need to let people talk. And you need, because sometimes that is the, that is the healing. Seriously. Do you know sometimes all they need is somebody just to say something to, share something with. And that blesses them. And while somebody else is standing there, you know, like upset and, and irritated and like, hurry up lady, I, I need to, you know. That's their healing. That's what's going on. Amen? And so I've recognized that. I've recognized that some people just need that. And I could pray all the prayers in the world, but what meant the most to them was that I sat and listened to them. Other people... They're like, quick pastor, lay your hands on me, do the thing, I need to catch a cab. <laughs> okay? I, don't need to, I don't need to tell you anything. I'm good. And they're good too. There's not one more spiritual than that. That's just the way they are. And so you need to know that, okay, that one needs time, that one, two seconds and they're out. See you later, bye. And that's not a bad thing. It's not like they're, you know, okay, they're, they're, they're going to fall off the wagon or anything. That's just how they are. Amen. And, and so you're always going to have those Minister to them according to the leading of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. 
enough said. Let's move on. So that's what it means here. That he basically entered into each person's circumstances wholly and with a sympathetic heart. Okay, I'm just paraphrasing that again. 6.19. And the whole, Luke 6.19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. For power went out of him and healed them all. Now that's interesting, isn't it? That's how the woman with the issue of blood knew to do that. You all missed it. Read Luke 6.19. Read it again. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. No, she hasn't come yet. Understand. For power went out from him and healed them all. Can I suggest something? Somebody went back to her. You don't think she had a friend out there somewhere? Because she couldn't. Remember, she can't leave her house. Remember that? Unclean? Okay. Can I suggest... Total hypotheticals, okay? Can I suggest somebody from there said, Girl, ah, I'm just being really modern here, okay? All you got to do is get close to him. Grab his garment. It'll work. Everybody got healed that day just grabbing his garment. Did you get it? She had to get faith from somewhere about all I have to do is touch the hem of his garment and I'll be healed. Amen? Aren't you glad you came to Bible school today? Okay? Yeah, alright? So notice this happens here. And so you know that story went places. And I believe it reached the ears of the woman with the issue of blood. And she thought, oh, if I was just there, I would have been healed of this. And you know what? I don't think God is a respecter of persons. I think it doesn't matter if I miss that meeting. I just need to get to Him. If I can just get to him, I'll get my healing. Hallelujah. And guess what? She did. Do you know why faith comes by hearing? That woman had to get faith for that from somewhere. There it is. Right there. Amen? Amen. All right. I love what the literal text says. Listen to this. The literal text actually says, and all the people were trying to touch him because power was going out from him and was curing everybody. Wow. Can you imagine the way that would look? How did they know? Obviously something visible. These are not very spiritual people. Can I say that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, know, you have to pretty much glow in the dark before they go, oh, there's something different about this person. You know, as Christians, sometimes we can sort of find another Christian because there's something there and we tend to think, oh, you know, maybe this person is a Christian. You know, sometimes you can just, not all the time, okay? But sometimes. Uh, these weren't those people. They didn't have God in them. You know what I'm trying to say? None of them were born again. Oh, a bunch of carnal people, <laughs> okay? So. For this to say what it says, and that's why the literal text is so powerful, that's why we need to go back sometimes to the literal text. Obviously, something in the five, you know, in their fivefold, their five senses was picking up on it. Something either they saw, something was going on that they they saw the power coming out of him. Yeah. Let's address that very quickly, yeah. just for the people on the tape. Uh, somebody has made mention of the fact when. Jesus was, when the woman with the issue of blood comes up, and Jesus said, someone touch me, and you know, the disciples said, well, everybody's touching you. Okay? Uh, but they weren't getting healed. Do you know what's different 
with that occasion and this occasion? Who can tell me? They heard the word. Do you understand? They heard the word. They came to hear and be healed. Those people were just crowding him. These people had come to receive from him. And there's the difference. Amen? Okay. So again, what we can, what, the way to say that is there is the touch of faith that receives from God what you have need of. As opposed to just people wanting to touch God. And you see that today. You know, let me just take a minute here. Yeah. You see that today where people go to shrines and things. You know, have you heard that you know, they say, Oh, this statue was, you know, got blood coming out of it or something. Let's go all touch that statue because we might get something out of that. Right. And stuff like that. You know, people are looking for signs. And you know, they're following signs when God said signs should be following you. Amen. Amen. Okay. In other words, power was flowing out from him to such a degree that everybody was getting healed. Even of things they probably didn't even know was wrong with them. I had to put that in. If, if that power was coming out, you probably, you know, you walked in there and it's like, whoa, something happened. You know, and you think, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about I had that problem. For Have you noticed sometimes when we have something for a long time, we almost forget it's there? And somebody says, what do you need healing of? And you think, oh, a headache. And you know, meanwhile, you've been carrying around something that you know, has been damaged for years, and you can't use that leg and whatever. And you think, oh, yeah, my headache. You know? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? You can just imagine somebody with that sort of a thing, and suddenly go, oh my gosh, my leg's, my leg's healed. Forget the headache. That's, that's awesome. You know? Praise God. Amen? Amen. And the best description of what he may have looked like in the spirit anyway, if he didn't want anyone to see it, is what is brought out in Matthew 17. I just thought I'd read these verses in verses 1 and 2, when it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. That's how Jesus looked. Amen. Wow. Can you imagine what it would have taken for him to put a bag over that? Can I say that? I mean, just to not do that all the time. Because obviously he did it when he, when he wanted to. It wasn't like suddenly, oh, something happened. Oh, look at that. Um, you know, it, it wasn't that. You know, sometimes we have something happen to us and we go, praise God, you know, something awesome happened. This he did on purpose, which means he could switch it on and switch it off. We miss some of these things, don't we? That's because he's saying, look at what I really look like with the on switch. All you're getting is this Christmas tree without the lights on. Check it out. Have you noticed the difference between, you know, you look at a Christmas tree in the daytime, and then you wait for, and you kind of you go, okay, that, well, that's nice. And then the nighttime comes and they turn the lights on, and you go, whoa, that's wow, oh, that, that's nice, that's beautiful. That's exactly what was happening. Amen? And he is like, he's like that Christmas tree, going around with the lights turned off. And he knows. If he just did that, everybody would know he's God. Hello. Amen? But he didn't come to show off. He didn't come to make a name for himself. He came to save us. And to teach us what we lost in the beginning. To bring us back to a place of dominion. Authority. Subdue. This is how you do it. Amen? That's why he's always 
sad when he doesn't find faith. Because it's the thing that switches everything on. All right. I would almost guarantee that had anyone touched him then, <laughs> they would have been healed instance, instantly. But that wasn't his purpose for doing this, which we'll discuss when we get to it. Sorry, I went ahead. Getting back to Luke 6.19, William Hendrickson said that all the people were trying to touch Jesus because healing power was constantly proceeding from him. That is clearly what the passage says, and we should not try to change it to something else. The reason that he puts it there, and I want to put that there, you know, taking into account the woman with the issue of blood and all the people touching him, okay, at that point in time, was that there's a lot of denominationals that sort of say, oh no, uh, you know, that only happened here or only happened there. and They don't get what was actually happening. Because if they ever got the revelation of what was going on, and then what Jesus, when he said, greater things than these shall you do when I go to the Father, I mean, dear God, I mean, if we just get to that stage, I'll be thrilled. Hello, I'll put my hand up. Forget the greater things, dude. I'll be happy there. Yeah. I mean, if the healing is just flowing out and everybody's getting healed left, right, and center, I'll be happy. But the thing is that if, if, if we don't see this, and if we, you know, where a lot of the, sort of the traditional churches, they'll preach about how sweet Jesus was. You know, they have the picture of, you know, Jesus with a little sheep under his arm. And he's so, su- oh, lamb, lamb, can't be a sheep. You know, so sweet and so wonderful and says all these nice fl- fluffy little words and makes everybody feel good. Do you know they always miss the power? And then they wonder why people are saying, well, you know, we should have equal right with your religion. Because your religion and our religion, we all got religion, it's all the same thing. Can I say, without the power, it's all the same. With the power, as a whole nother deal. Further to this, Hendrickson also says that Luke wants us to rivet our attention to Jesus, whose power was enabling him to heal all, and whose heart, filled with sympathy, was impelling him to do just that. I think that's beautiful. He's saying, get this. Remember I said again, all the accounts were written for a reason. One of the primary reasons that the accounts were written for wasn't to talk about how Jesus healed them all. The account was to say, this was the type of person they crucified. Remember all of this is after the effect. Okay, and they're saying, listen, do you think a person like this should have been crucified? That's the question every gospel asks. At the end of the day, in everything that they say, that's the question, because that's what the Jews were throwing out. Well, you know, if there's smoke, there's fire. You know, he wouldn't have been crucified for no reason. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So there must have been, must have been something wrong with him. So don't go after all that Christianity. It's just a cult, and we don't want to go there. And, you know, we want to stay, you know, orthodox. We want to stay where, you know, like where we're meant to be, and, you know, with the Word of God as if they were. Hello, Okay. And do you understand? Because they were losing people. Something was happening and they were losing people. So they they were trying to discredit Jesus all the time. So all the Gospels were written to say, He was the King of the Jews. He was the Son of Man. And, you know, He was the Son of God. Each Gospel tells a different story. And it brings Him in different lights. And to say, listen, that's who He was. And what happened to him was an injustice. It wasn't justice. But he died and allowed himself, 
there's, what they're trying to say is this. If he could do all of these things, which he did, there will be people testifying to this, by the way. Do you not understand that he allowed himself to be killed? He allowed himself to be crucified? He could have at any point in time changed that. It would have been to our detriment. Because that's where the gospel keeps coming back to. But he, on the epistles keep saying he died for our sins. He didn't die for his sins. And to get that you have to understand that an innocent man was crucified. Get it? And so that's why all of this is trying to bring across the fact that he was powerful, he was wise, and what happened to him wasn't justice. It was a tragedy. It was something that should not have happened in that way. He was going to die for us, by the way. But it was going to be a different way. I've, I've hypothesized and given that to you before. I'm not going to go through it now. But he was going to be, it was meant to be done the right way. The hands of the priest. God would have done what he needed to do. I have seen people and heard of, as, uh, in fact, stories of people doing the most uncharacteristic things in order to get what God needed to get done, done. I'm serious. They, they do things out left field, you know, where they'd be mean and say no to everything. Suddenly they say yes to something. And while they were, you know, they'd be totally one way over here, for a moment in time, there'd be some, something else. And remember, whatever, you know, anybody does that was influenced by God will be blessed by God for it. Amen? Uh, by the way, okay, amen? Okay, all right. So, I sincerely believe that there was a different way all of this was meant to happen. And the way that it went, it's basically a miracle, <laughs> you know, that the outcome came, that came from all of it. It was, it was kind of the worst possible scenario that there was to this crucifixion, crucifixion event. The worst possible one, by the way, I'm just telling you. But it happened anyway, and Jesus still did what he had to do. He still went to hell. He still defeated the devil. He still came back up, redeemed everything that was lost, and brought it back to where it should be. I mean, that is just God, man. I mean, th that's why I keep saying to you, understand something. No matter how badly things go wrong and go in the wrong direction, God still is a God of resurrection. He is a God of miracles. He is a God of the impossible. And he will do that. He did that with Jesus. <laughs> okay? He did that. Remember, it's God to God, by the way, that as well. All right. So, let, let's... Oh my gosh, I've run out of time. Okay, let's... let's I'm so sorry. Let's get on and finish with this. <laughs> this is where the woman with the issue of blood... Uh, uh, okay, I've said this here. Uh, that will be covered in Mark chapter 5, Matthew chapter 9, which is yet to take place. We'll get her confidence from. And why it will say in Matthew 9, verses 20 and 21... And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. Verse 21, For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. It is also why following this event in Matthew chapter 14, verses 35 and 36, it will go on to say that, And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Credible, isn't it? But this is where it all began in Luke chapter 6. After Jesus spends an entire night in the presence of and speaking to God the Father. 
It is the secret to not only having a God-honoring ministry, but a powerful one as well. Amen? Amen. When we come back next time, we will begin Sermon on the Mount. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for all the things that you're bringing to our attention. And we just thank you, Father, that we are not just hearers but doers. And I thank you, God, that you give us each revelation, insight, and understanding into what was going on. And Father, that we begin to see all the nuances and all the things that allow things to work and things that don't allow things to work, Father. People that touched Him with faith and the people that just wanted to touch Him, hoping they had something and would get something from Him. And we thank You, Lord, that we want to be those people that have that touch of faith, that whenever we reach out, we do it in faith, believing. And I just thank You, Father, for everybody here, that as they do, Father, they receive more and more from You. Not just power, but revelation and insight. Mysteries solved. Things that they've got questions about, Father, I thank You that as we continue through this series, that all those questions are going to be answered. Hallelujah. And so we give you the praise and the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.